Tonight, if you've got your Bible, I'm going to turn to the shortest book of the Bible, uh, and it's the book of Jude. It's one chapter. It's 25 verses. And if you memorize that, you could tell somebody you memorized the whole book of the Bible. And they'd be pretty proud of you. And uh, I get, no, I guess, I guess it's not the shortest because the third epistle of John is only 14 verses. So that'd be a little easier. That's just one page back there. So, but it's a good book, a wonderful book. But it, and it's, it's got a challenge, but then it's got a warning. This one chapter has got a challenge and a warning. And we're going to look at that tonight. And we're going to look at Jude verse 3, and then we're going to look at 17 through 23. So if you've got the read, your word there, we're going to look at this scripture, and we're going to look at the message tonight, contending for the faith. Verse 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligent to write unto you of the, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Verse 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh." contending for the faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that God is time draws near, Lord. Lord, the wondrous moment of seeing you face to face draws even closer. But God, in this last hour, we see that the enemy is working overtime. He's working rampantly to discourage the church, to, to, to do uh, damage to the church, to weaken the church. But God, I pray tonight that, Lord, we would be strengthened. That, God, we would see, Lord, the finish line in sight. That we would encourage ourselves in you. That our faith would be strengthened, not weakened. And that, God, as we draw closer, that, God, we would be more excited and more determined than ever. And that, God, we would reach out for those who are lost and to do what you've asked us to do. Thank you, Lord, that our hope is not in us. It is in you. And thank you for that. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And everybody said, hallelujah, amen, amen. Contending for the faith. Here in Jude gives this, he's writing this letter. And he starts out here in the beginning of this letter. The first two verses were just greetings. And he starts out, by the way, Jude was the brother of James. And he uh, is giving a, uh, a, a disclaimer here and saying, basically, I wanted to write to you and talk to you about this wonderful salvation experience that we get to have. But, he's, but he stops and he says, but first, basically, I've got to warn you because some of the very things that God has given us insight that some of the other apostles has already written to you 
it's, it's, it's being poured out. And you're, there, is, there is a challenge. Now, if you look at this time in history, they're, they're being attacked. The, there is people that is trying to uh, attack these, this church. And also there is uh, sheep or wolves and sleep sheep's clothing coming into the church and trying to tear it up from the inside out. We noticed even in the political scene that, we're, that we've dealt with, even during this last year, there was people that dressed up like they were part of a certain groups and they would infiltrate inside those groups and then they would do damage and so that there would be confusion. And he, this is what it's talking about here is there is people that are in church and it's actually talking about people in leadership positions, people that is... Uh, uh, leaders and even ministers that would come into the church of God and they would have such an animosity toward the things of God that they were they're living not uh, yielded to the things of God but they're living in their own relationship doing whatever they want to do and trying to convince other people that it's okay and so he's warning them about this type of situation this in the last century, one of the greatest sins and things that we have seen is there has been a rejection of the authority of God in people's lives. People do not, there is people who do not want God or anybody else to tell them what to do. And they're doing everything in their power to do it their way. And we know that by the word of God, that's not the way it's supposed to be. If you're going to serve God, you have got to be in submission to the will and word of God. And so there is a warning here. And what they're doing is that they, they come into the church and they're living after, and it says their own lusts. The, the, their own desires is driving their lives. And so we've got to look out. And, and if you look at the church age that we live in, it's very, very evident that it's happening. It told us that these things were going to happen. It was happening back then so much more even now. That there is people that is looking to please self instead of pleasing God. And so there's a warning here to make sure that we don't fall into that pit. Verse 17 and 18 says, But beloved, talking up to the brothers and sisters in Christ, remember ye... The first thing he wants to do is bring your remembrance. Remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 18, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. He's talking about this warning that's already went out and these people would know that. One of the other verses you could see, and it's just a few pages back, one of the other apostles had said the same thing. Peter, in his epistle of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, he said the same thing. He said that knowing this first, number one, foremost, you need to know this, he said, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Now, that word scoffers is the exact same Greek word that's translated mockers in Jude's writing. He warned them there is people who will scoff at the things of Christ, walking after their own lusts. 
They, people come in and they, are, they, they go to church just like you and I. They are supposedly part of the body of Christ. And yet, there is people that they're not submissive to the things of God. They are only looking out for their own selves. In fact, if you look at the verses before this, it's talking about the people that shepherds, talking about people in leadership, people even in pastor positions, that's more concerned of feeding themselves and taking care of themselves than they are the, their, or their flock. As I was reading, reading that last night, I was saying, I'm praying about, Lord, please don't let me be more concerned about me than I am about you all. Don't let me get in that kind of spot. Lord, check me. Because when I read it, I'm like, wow, in the world could they do something like that? So I was like, Lord, guard me. Because you're going to see one of the things they're going to tell you to do is guard yourself. Watch what these other people are doing and make sure you don't fall in the same pit is what it's going to say. So he's going to warn us. He gives, and you read those verses, it's, it's like 14 verses of warning, beware in the last days. And there's going to be all kinds of confusion going on and trying to destroy the church. And so we see that there, and it's talking about that they will, uh, uh, in verse 19, it's going to tell that they are going, they have sensual desires, the fleshly desires. It says in verse 19, these be they who separate themselves sensual, not having not the spirit. Now, when you read that in the King James Version, you get the ideal. If you go back and look at the original language, it, has, it looks like the ideal who separate themselves. You get the picture they're kind of pulling themselves away from everybody else. That's not the, the, the real meaning there is that these people slip in amongst the church. And one of their goals is, is to separate it, is to cause problems. And they want to push their agenda, and they don't want anybody uh, telling them that they need to uh, surrender their lives or they need to give up anything. They want to do what they want to do, and so they try to come in and cause division amongst the very body of Christ. And it says sensual. It's talking about fleshly, not have, or having not the spirit. Now, here's the difference. When we, and see, this is the reason I said this earlier. I don't, we don't see this because we love each other. And, and I think that I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not as concerned, I, but I think that it can happen. And if the church grows, you've got to watch out. I mean, I'm not saying it's a great thing to grow. But, the, but there is people that will cause division. And so the, here's the difference. Here, how, who are these people? So we're looking. Who are these people? It's people who really don't know, know God, but they act like they do. So it's, it's talking about not having the Spirit. When we get saved and God's Spirit lives within us and we get filled with the Spirit, there is, it does not cause division. It causes unity. You look at when the Holy Spirit's poured out in Acts chapter 2, they were all in one accord, in one mind, one place, one Spirit with one desire. God, have your way and pour out your Spirit. That's what happens when God's Spirit's involved. When the, the, the Shekinah glory of God comes in, it causes there to be a togetherness. There, needs to, there, there is just a love. But it's saying that these people don't have that Spirit of God within them, and they're just putting on, and they're just going through the motions. Let me tell you something. One of the most miserable things you can do is to go to church and try to live that life without God really inside of you. It's a miserable existence. Why? Because the Spirit of God's not in there. And this putting on and acting like you know God without God is a pretty miserable existence. But when you really have God within your heart and life, it is a wondrous thing. And it will cause the church to draw closer together. So we need to understand that, these, that this warning says that if you don't have God within us, 
then, there's, then, then flesh is what takes over. And the flesh always is what Scripture says. Enmity means enemy of God. It's it, it just contrary. Talking about the sensual things, the fleshly things, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man, that's the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because why? They are spiritually discerned. People who have never known God can never understand what you're talking about when you talk about the peace that God gives you and the transformation that God does to your life when you surrender it to Him. They don't understand what it's like to love without having some type of desire that it's going to benefit them in some way. They don't understand agape love. They don't understand it because they don't have never experienced it. Uh, someone the other night was giving some advice. A, a young man was telling uh, some experiences about uh, a marriage and some other things. And I said, let me, let me, and, I, and we're friends, okay? So I correct him. I said, I tell you what, I, I think maybe you should have children and have a wife, and then you could probably tell me a little bit more about how it's supposed to be done. Why? You've never experienced it. So it's hard to give advice on something when you've never experienced something. And so it's sitting there saying that they, they have no ideal because that the Spirit's not within them and it's a danger. So, to, so the word he gives us, he tries to build you up. He tries to build me up. And here's what he says. He tells us to, to contend. Now, the word contend, that's why you see this picture of boxing gloves. It's talking about a fight. It's saying you need to fight in these last days for your faith. Hang on with all your might. You need to wrestle. You need to fight to hang on to what God has given you because there is a spirit in this age to rip that away from you, to cause us to pull back from the things of God, to let us think that we can do anything we want to and God's good with it. And, and that God sat just, just, just live a better life, live better than, and do more good than you do bad. And God, God's just a grandpa who loves you and is going to let you do whatever. No, that's not. There is a spirit that tries to pull people away from the things of God. And so Jude is saying, don't you re, remember all the warnings. Remember what's going on and contend for the faith. Don't let go because you're almost to the finish line. We're almost there, folks. And so he's trying to encourage us. He says in verse, so we see to contend for the faith, you contend for the faith first by strengthening your faith, building it up. It says in verse 20, but ye, beloved, here, this is when the tide turns. He's given all these warnings, but here's how he says to counter this. But ye, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith. He's saying that don't let this discourage you instead of you falling into the trap that they are and to cause yourself to be pulled away from the things of God. You need to make a special effort to strengthen yourself in spirit and in your faith. Yeah. Strengthen your faith as time goes on. Uh, the scoffers that he's talking about, they would rather tear down people's faith than to build people's faith. Don't you hate it when something that you grew up and loved... And some and, and through progress or whatever, it gets tore down. I think I've told you this before. Every time I go to every time I go to my daughter's house, she lives on Megan's Way in London on a big hill. And as I come off of her uh, street and stop at the bottom and get ready to turn on McWhorter Street there, back where E.C. Porter's is, that direction, 
right straight across the street from her, her driveway is where my grandma's house in London was. My mom's mom lived, and I was there on the weekends and spent a lot of time there, and it's not there anymore. They tore it down and made a parking lot out of it. So they tore down something that meant something and put something that, to me, was a big mistake. Uh, because I'm sure to them it was a great thing, but to me it's like tore down something good to make something, you know, that you can't, it doesn't mean anything. And so it just breaks, it just it tears me up every time I see that. And that's what they want to do. But the, the word here is you need to build up your faith. Don't tear it down. Uh, how do you do that? You build your faith by first, by exercising it. If, if, you, if your New Year's resolution was to put on some, to lose a little weight and to put on some muscle, you probably have got a routine where you're, you're going to the gym or you've got you some weights at the house or you're, you're doing push-ups, you're doing something. But the more you move and work a muscle, the stronger it gets. If you want to increase your faith, you need to use it and use it more and more and more. When you face a problem, you say, God, I don't see how you can do that, but I'm trusting you to meet that need. And then when he does, guess what? Strength comes, and the next time, you can trust him for something bigger. Peter figured that out the hard way, but he was bolder than everyone else. He's in the ship. Jesus is walking on the water, and he gets enough faith to think, well, maybe I can. And he said, Lord, if that's you, tell me, come out there and walk on that water. And I can. And he said, come on. He steps out. He's doing great. Now, we give him a hard time because he gets out so far, and he's just like you and I. He's, the wind's blowing. The waves are getting bigger, and he starts looking at what he's like. My goodness, I can't believe I'm walking. And as he takes his eyes off the Lord and looks at the problem, he starts to sink. But luckily, he has the right ideal. He knows what the answer is. Lord, help me. He reaches out to God, and he knows where his, his faith is insufficient, but he knows where his help comes from. But I guarantee you, his faith grew more that day than the other apostles who didn't step out on the water. Why? He tested it. He knew that he had taken steps on that water, and the rest of them could never say that. Why? He tested his faith. It grew that day a little bit. He didn't have that same problem anymore. That might be why he's going, to the, he's going to the temple a few days later and some man is saying, Jesus is gone. And some man's sitting there with his ankles and he's never walked before. And instead of giving, he didn't have any money. He had an excuse to walk on by. I got to go pray. I'm the apostle. I got to go pray. But no, he sees this man in need and he said, all of a sudden, psh, faith. That faith that started out and got a little bit bigger. Why? I'll bet if I pray for this guy, the Lord will heal him. And he does. He lifts him. He prays for him. What such as I have, give out of thee. And nothing told him what he just felt compassion for this man. And all of a sudden, this man's healed. Why? He built faith. How do you make your faith bigger? Exercise it. How do you do it? Amen. You also make your faith. Uh, the word of God says you build your faith by hearing the word of God. The word of God is powerful. Why in the world does the enemy want us not to hear this? Because it's powerful. When you hear these promises and you plumb your life, there is power that happens when we hear this word of God. It says, in, it says that to us in Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh, how? By hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. The word of God. 
Hey, how many times have you been here? You, you heard a message. Maybe something someone said or you're reading the word of God. And you're going through something. All of a sudden, you're sitting there discouraged. And you to open your Bible and start reading. And that day, God gives you that very verse you need. Or you may have, like me, you've got some apps on your phone or emails that comes through with the verse from the day. And I love reading them every morning because I want to see. I want to see, God, I bet you that has something to do. And sometimes right down the alley of where I'm facing, boom. Well, so the word of God, that, that little promise that comes out, that little nugget that you get in the morning, and it's like, oh, that's, ex that's exactly what I need. What was it? It's the word of God. This isn't, this isn't uh, Shakespeare. This isn't some uh, modern author. This is a promise that you can take to the bank that you can put in your life and say, God, you said it. I know it'll happen, and I can apply it to my life. So we need to build our faith. That's number one. If you're going to make it in this last hour, build your faith up. Trust him more than you ever did before. Amen. I, I was, you know, sometimes I was talking just the opposite of that, tearing down and, 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 and kind of going backwards. Sometimes we do the opposite. Sometimes we take some areas that aren't very good and we rebuild them and tear them down to build something stronger and more beautiful. You know, even this church at one time, and, and before I ever came, you all worked on it, and, and a bunch of you was involved in, in, in working and rebuilding, and it's, it's stronger, and you all found some weaknesses in the, in the floor joists, and, and where water was coming out of the church, you did a bunch of work, and you fixed everything back and put it all, it's beautiful. So we're stronger than we ever were. It, it's going to last a whole lot longer because there was some tearing down, some things that wasn't really doing really that well that was actually uh, getting worse. And now that we are stronger, I was thinking about uh, the uh, mom and dad that as I was uh, making these notes, I was thinking about um, I, had a, I had a useless, a totally useless side porch on my house. My house is actually like an, uh, two houses built together. It's like two houses in one. And there was a little side porch for whatever reason, I guess, to get out there's fire. It goes right out in the side yard. It, there's a build, it was a crazy place. Never used it. I mean, never. Never even opened that door. In fact, it wouldn't even hardly open. And the, there was water damage getting down inside the walls out there because of the way the roof structure was built. And I had, some, I had a bunch of issues there. It was, it was leaking, and, and it's going to have to get fixed, and that was useless. And in my kitchen, the, the washer and dryer was in the kitchen right where I didn't need it. And so we needed And so mom and dad decided they going to help out on this deal, and we was going to build that porch in and put a washer and dryer in it for six weeks or more. Almost every day, they would, I'd come home from work, and it would be cold and snowy or whatever, and they'd be out there working and working on that. And so they took an old porch that I didn't even use, and all of a sudden it closed it in, and Dad did block where he did the whole thing. And now my washer and dryer's in a room by itself, and it's perfect. And it, so we took something that was useless and weak and had damage, and now it is stronger. And it, we build it up, and now it is, it is so much better. That's, it's kind of a picture of where our faith is, needs to be get stronger number two you can contend for the faith by praying in the spirit prayer is important folks praying is important and the spirit the reason you need to be filled with the spirit is that the spirit will pray through you and for you verse 20 says praying in the holy ghost Praying in the Holy Ghost. Prayer is not something that is talking about, something you do in the flesh. Sometimes we do that. We get down, Lord, help me. And, oh, God, meet my 12 needs and all these things. You know, we, that's, not, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about that the Spirit of God, that's God inside of you, 
that connects to God and, and, and the Lord is, knows what you need because he, look, he knows every part of you. He knows not only where you are today, He knows where you've been, He knows where you're going to be tomorrow. And so it's talking about the Spirit praying through you to God so that you get what you truly need. Sometimes we've got to say, God, you just I need you to do some things in my life. You know what I need. And it's talking about the Spirit interceding for us. From within us. Now listen, you, you can say, well, that's not that important. Oh, yes, it is. It's very important. The Spirit knows exactly how and what to say and what you truly need. We know what we want, but the Spirit knows what you need. And so we see in Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know how to pray. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts, God knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit is praying for you, knows what your needs are, and is trying to move you, wants to move you toward the will of God. And He's yearning and He is crying out and groaning to God, please have mercy and help them to get where you want them to be and to move them this direction and help them with these weaknesses and make them stronger and use all whatever He's saying. He's moving us in that direction. So if you want to be stronger and contend and hang on, you need to pray in the Spirit. Number three, you contend for the faith by dwelling, as Scripture says, in God's love. It says in verse 21, keeping yourself, keep yourself in the love of God. One of the greatest ways to build your faith and your relationship with God is just getting into His Spirit and presence. That's why prayer is so important, not just to get in a place in prayer that you just fall in love with God and you're just praying to him and you get a hunger and desire to know him more and you kind of slip into this place. All I can, I don't even know how to describe it other than I've been, when I'm there, it's the most wonderful place. I love that. And so whenever I'm going through things, man, I want to get in that place where I feel God's presence. That it's like, it's, all, it's like you slip out of this world and you're in the presence of God or God's right there with you where you're at. God's presence is so strong. And it's talking about this love relationship in the presence of God. The more of you spend time in the presence of God, the more in love you'll be. The more powerful your relationship would be. Listen, let me tell you, all I can tell you is, is we can relate things to this physical world that we deal with, that we live in. I remember some of you all, before you got married, you might remember when you met, that, you met your spouse. And, and, and hopefully it was this way. You met them and you got to know them and then you found reasons to go do things with them. And then before you knew it, you were spending a whole lot of time with that person. I remember that uh, the conflict it was causing in my friends' lives when I met my wife-to-be and we started doing things and then I was just wanting to do everything and I was spending more and more time with her and it seemed like we didn't ever run out of things to talk about. And at the same time, my friends were getting kind of tore up. They're saying, you never are available for us anymore. You never. They'd call me and I'd be, I'm sorry, I'm over at Marie's or we're doing this. And even when I come, they'd come to my house and see me, what would I be doing? I'd be on the phone with, with Marie. I'd be talking to her. They're there, but I'm talking to her. Why? Because the more you spend time with someone, the more you love someone, the more you want to be with that person. 
And so what this word is saying to us here, if you want to get stronger in your spiritual man, then one of the ways to do that is keep yourself immersed in the love of God. Get yourself in his presence and let him overflow you and you will find out that it is the most ble- that the closer you get to him, the more your relationship will grow and the less issues that you're going to face that this world has fallen into. John chapter 15, 9 through 10 tells us, says, and this is Jesus speaking, says, As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. He's saying the more that I love Him, the more I want to obey Him, and the more I abide in obeying Him, the more love that I have for Him. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. You know, the good news is is the more that the love of God grows in you, the more you can shed it on other people. That love of God, that agape love, is available for you if you allow Him to do things in your life and you want him to be. But listen, you'll never do that if you never spend time with God. You'll never do that if we're giving him three minutes. You know, the, you know I had read one time that the average preacher prayed about three minutes a day. And I'm thinking, how in the world do we, you, you can't do it. There's no way to do it. So it's, we need to spend time in the presence of God, in his word and on our knees before him, falling in love with him. Number four, you contend for the faith by seeking God's mercy. It says in verse 21, it says, Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It's talking about that moment is that, by the way, there is nothing good that happens to you is because of what you've done. All the goodness of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness is because of what He's done for us. And so, and the greatest uh, 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 act of mercy from God is that moment when we step from this life into the next life and we find the fullness of that relationship, that, we're, that eternal life that we're going to step from this life that is not eternal. We're, we're right now, we're living in a flawed flesh and, and this we do not, but we're going to step out of this life into eternal life. And we're going to be changed and we're going to be just like him. And it's talking about keep your eyes and be thank God for the mercy that he's got ready for you, that he has given you eternal life. And you're going to experience that. And so he's saying that we need to be thankful because the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Lamentations tells us about this mercy that never fails. It says in Lamentations 3, 22, it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. That's where my confidence is. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. He's talking about the goodness and the mercy of God that every single... You got up this morning and God didn't... He didn't leave a a stale uh, thing for you from yesterday. He had brand new mercies and goodness and love and His presence. And He's just just ready for you when you woke up this morning. Just when you woke up this morning. It's kind of of like the... uh, uh, It made me think of the... 
you know, on Christmas when you wake up as a kid and, and your parents is, 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 or whoever here has got something special waiting for you and, they're, and it's all sitting there and they've been waiting for you to get up so that I, I remember my son when he was four, he, he wasn't excited about getting up too early and we got, got up special early, get ready for that big day and, uh, uh, and I remember he, all he wanted to do is go back to bed. All he wanted to do is just, can I go crying? Can I go back to sleep? And I had good things waiting on him. And so this is, this is a picture of God pouring out his goodness on us fresh every single day. Every day is another day that he pours out his mercy upon us. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. But so he doesn't just give it to us just for ourselves. He wants us to share. We're going to see the last thing here. You contend for the faith. Also by showing compassion to others. There's other people that hasn't made it yet. There's other people that maybe even have run from God. There's people that we're praying for, that we're trusting in God. And there's some of them that's just, and listen, it just grieved me on Easter because it was a whole group of people that raised their hand and said, I need to get saved. So there's people that's in the balance right now. And so this is talking about these people that have not made it in yet. And so we can look at them, and, and we don't want to be the people that looks and says, you, you know, judges them because, well, you ain't living right and all that. No, no, no. What it says here in verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. You can make a difference in people's life when they look at you and they expect you to not have compassion, but to judge them. And when what they see from you is just the opposite, is that you have a heart of compassion. In fact, this word here, compassion, that's translated compassion here, many other times it's, it is translated as mercy. It's when you give mercy to someone when you could be someone critical, but instead you show love and compassion and they see Christ through that. I told you all just maybe this last week I talked about when I got saved. One of the things that really impacted me and it made a huge difference. I had several steps that got me there. Of course, I had parents praying for me night and day. But then I had a friend that was kind of pulling at me to get me there. But in my mind, I made this wall and said, no, people's going to judge me. People's going to know that I was raised right and I did the wrong things and I went away from the things of God and they're going to judge me. But when I came to my brother's wedding in that church and I seen that there was a compassion reached out, that no one treated me the way that I thought they would, that compassion toward me caused me to realize it's not what I thought. And the next day I was in church. Why was that? Because they had compassion. I seen that it wasn't what the devil had told me it was going to be. In your life, God will give you opportunities and for people sometimes that don't deserve it. Maybe they did something wrong to you. Maybe they said something about you. Maybe they made fun of you. Whatever they did, people sometimes do things wrong, and they do it a lot, actually. And we were sometimes in that camp. And many times I'd like to go back and say, Lord, I'd like to take some things back in my past. I can't take things back, but I can try to learn not to do it in the future with the help of the Lord. But God is trying to get our attention to have compassion on those that need him and your compassion and the love of God through you because God gave you mercy first. If God hadn't had mercy on you, you wouldn't be here to extend mercy to them. But because he had mercy on you, we extend that to other people. And so it's so important to do that. Sometimes it gets really tough. 
There are some people that's not just barely hanging in here and trying and raise their hand. There are some people that is hard toward God. They have ran from God. And in fact, they may even have severed their conscience to where they don't even feel bad anymore. That's a scary place. That's a scary place that you get. I'll never forget a conversation I had with someone that was very close to me that I loved. And they were making very bad decisions at that time. And I went to them because I was scared for them. You get scared for them because you realize that there's not going to be, you know, a lack of uh, penalty for things they're doing. You know there's going to be some fallout. The Lord's not going to let this stuff keep going. So you worry about it. And so I went to this person and I had this heart-to-heart conversation. And in that deal, I poured it out. And I got to that place and said, you know this is not what God wants in your life. You know it. And that person said to me, I don't care. I don't care. This is what I want. That scared me to death. That means that their heart is really hardened toward the things. Now, sometimes people say things. Thank God uh, this person had a change later. I thank God for that. Thank God for that. But it concerned me. You know what it makes you do? It makes you pray. Because you can't say it. You can sit there and react and say, you, God's going to, you know, you can't do that. That's never it. You warn you pray, you try to help them, but there comes a point that this next part of this verse, sometimes we get to this place because some people, and you can see people's lives that get this, they get almost to the edge of the precipice of eternity, and you know if something doesn't happen, they're in trouble because you don't see one ounce of turning back. In fact, they're even harder toward the things of God than, you, than the last time you talked to them. It goes in talking about these people in verse 23. And it says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. There is people that may have at one time been in the house of God and they have turned and went the wrong way and their heart is so indifferent toward the things of God. They're bitter. They, things happen to them and they have excuses of why they don't even want any part of church. They don't want any part of God. And they're doing, and you watch their life and they think they're living it up, but you watch their life go from bad to worse. And you realize they're heading the wrong way fast. And you realize if God doesn't do something, it's going to turn out badly for them. And so these are the people it's talking about. It's like an intensity. It's those ones that we grieve with God. And we call out on God. Have you been there before? I have. That you've been there with someone and you've like had to rebuke the devil and say, this is not yours. You have to take your hands off. God, you can do a, turn that situation around. God, you get a hold of that heart and you change it, God. You break that heart so that they feel you again. They are drawn towards you again. That's what it's talking about is that we intercede for people who are running from God and you have mercy. You don't judge them. You don't push them back. You don't sit there and say, well, you're just too late. No, God can do anything. But sometimes we have to get because you might be the only one that's pulling them out of the flames. You may be the only one that's not given up already and you're still praying. And the enemy keeps trying to demand their soul and keeps trying to take them out. I had a young man that I was in a fraternity with that after I left and got married and got out of college, he was at a ball game at, at, at Eastern Kentucky University, a young man. This guy, this kid was maybe 19 years old and he had been a real close friend of mine for a period of time. And he was acting up and acting stupid at the ball game and, and was intoxicated and and he fell off the top of the, the stadium head first and went into eternity just like that. 
The people are living in their lives and they're doing things and the, and the enemy is trying to take them out. And so God wants to use you and I to pull them out of the flames through prayer and through encouragement and trying to let them know, I'm praying for you. I want you to know that I care and, and not to give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. For we see that that is the only way that some, some of these people, you may be the only one that's trying to pull them out of these flames. But he warns us, even as we do this, to make sure you don't get, uh, you got to guard yourself because the enemy tries to pull even the godly people into a trap if we don't watch. Don't let yourself to get to the place to where you're tempted. It says in Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself a warning, lest thou also be tempted. Don't let yourself fall in the same hole that they fell into. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Burdens, lifting that person's name and calling out on God for God to do a miracle in their life. So we see these five steps that Jude has given us and encouraging even you tonight. If you want to build your faith, strengthen it. Strengthen your faith if you want to build it up. Encourage it through what? Through exercising and hearing the word of God. Strengthen your faith. You, you also build your faith by praying in the Spirit. You also build your faith by dwelling in that love relationship with God more and more. You also build your faith by seeking the mercy of God in your life and then spreading it out on others. And finally, you, are, you contend with the faith. You, you fight and strengthen your faith by having compassion for others that didn't deserve it just like you didn't deserve it. Amen? And so he ends this chapter tonight with verse 24 and 25, and we give credit to who truly credit is due. It says in verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You are the prize that he's waiting on. And he wants to bring you and present you before him as his spotless bride. Verse 25, to the only wise God and Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He's worthy tonight. And so he's encouraging us. And even in this hour, more than it ever was even here, we need to be strengthened and we need to contend. We've got to fight that good fight. And we've got to fight the battle to keep our faith strong. And not just strong, but stronger. And in closing, if you, if, you have a, if you have a muscle, and it can be great. And you may have, when you were younger, some of you guys may have been big weightlifters. And you, and you work out. You know, my son used to have huge arms and, and uh, worked out all the time and made me look stupid. And so, but what happens when you just, you can, you can have it all going, but what happens when you just quit using it? It goes the other direction. So if you want your faith to grow, you've got to make an effort to strengthen it even more or you will slowly lose the faith that you already have. And so we're in the last hours and all you've got to do is watch the news to see we're in the last hours. And so we need to realize the finish line's in sight 
And we need to be encouraged. Run with all your might because it's just inside. And how horrible it is for some that give up the faith right before the finish line. What a horrible thing. And so you might be the only person that keeps them from doing that because you're the one that's going to pray for them. You're the one that's going to encourage them. You're the one that's going to be the example that they see. Amen? Amen. How many wants to contend tonight for the faith to get stronger? Amen. Hallelujah. Tonight, if you would stand tonight, let me pray tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, that you, you give us knowledge. Lord, you give us wisdom to know what we're facing. And Lord, we're not caught off guard knowing that the time we're living in lets us know that, Lord, your appearing is going to be soon. And God, that we have strength that's not our own. God, we have your Holy Spirit that gives us strength. And God, we can get closer to you. Even when things are, are getting worse, we get closer to you and we can fall in love with you more. And we can see you work more in the darkness of this world than ever before. Because, Lord, opportunity is even greater. And God, I pray that God, each one of us tonight, check our hearts. And God, show us areas where we can draw closer to you. Let us not just sit back and accept things the way they are and say, well, I think I'm okay. Because Lord, what the Word of God's telling us in these verses, that these people based their Christian experience on what they thought. Lord, they based it on the way they felt and not what your word says and what your spirit was telling them to do. And God, we don't want to be that. Lord, we want to get closer to you. And God, we want to obey what your word tells us. And God, when we do, Lord, it is just a wondrous love relationship that we have with you. And God, not only that, you use our lives to impact those around us. And God, what a wondrous thing how you use us flawed vessels that you have redeemed to reach other people for you. God, and we're in ourselves, we're incapable. God, I pray that you and thank you for what you've done, how you've helped me, and Lord, how you've helped so many here tonight. And God, I pray that you encourage us. God, that we just love you even more, that our relationship, every month we can look back and say, Lord, I love you more. I can see how much more I love you than I did before. And every day that we draw closer to you, almighty God, and that, Lord, you encourage us tonight in you. God, that even through the night, we just wake up and we feel your presence looking over us and guarding us. And your love just be in that room. And when we get up, that we want to find times to talk to you. And God, when we get opportunities each day, Lord, that we want to read about you and memorize and just get closer to you. And the promises just become something that we write on our hearts. God, that there just be a drawing closer to you. And that, God, that other people, Lord, would be able to see the transformation in our lives. God, that's what you want to do. Don't let us, God, stay where we are because we know it will be moving us backwards. But, God, let us be moving toward you over and over and over again every day, closer and closer. So that other people say, you're just different. I ain't got, you ain't got time for me. And, you're, <laughs> Lord, that we're able to say, oh, it's because I just want to spend so much time with my Lord. And I just love him so much. And, and, and Lord, let it be that way. Just like we do in physical relationships, we do that with you, God. That's what you want. And, God, I pray you strengthen this body. Lord, tonight, before we go home, Lord, that each and every person here, that, God, you would give a, a desire to know you more. And that, God, that they have a bigger smile on their face because of what you've done. And, and Lord, they just feel you drawing them closer. Don't let us ever get satisfied where we are. But that we want to know you more and more and more. Start with me, God. Start with me. 
And God, I thank you for that relationship. I thank you for your encouragement. Lord, I thank you that you're coming soon. And God, get our eyes upon you and be ready for that appearing. Thank you for what you've done. And God, move with us. Go with us tonight. Encourage us, Lord, tonight. Be with us and protect us. And God, Sunday, let there be just a move of your spirit in this altar. God, that there'd be souls that God we're praying for, that they would be pulled right out of those flames. And God, they'd be right in this altar. And God, giving testimonies of your faithfulness. Save family trees, God. Do it right here, Lord, in this small church. Do it, God. And Lord, you're wanting to and you're trying to. And God, we want you to.